Welcome to That You May Grow Thereby, a work of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. We are located at 18 Scott Drive in Florence, Kentucky. Our phone number is 859-371-2095. You can also visit us at www.nkcofc.com. And now, that you may grow thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. I am Greg Whitmer. I am one of the elders of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. And I thought that in this episode, we'd talk a little bit about lessons that we can learn from nature's calamities. I remember the first blizzard I ever knew anything about. It was way back in 78 or 79, and Vicky and I were in Florida when it hit. We sat down there watching the news and wondering how we were going to get home, or when we were going to get home, because the Greater Cincinnati Airport was closed. When it finally did reopen, the only people the authorities were allowing out on the streets were those who had four-wheel drive vehicles, and that was back in the days when they weren't so nearly popular as they are now. When we finally did get home, we discovered that our car was literally encased in solid ice up to the middle of the wheels. Our apartment was not far from a grocery store, but when I walked there I found the shelves practically empty because the distributors could not get to the stores and their suppliers couldn't get to them. As things began to thaw out and people could get around, we heard all of the stories about people losing their electricity for days, water pipes freezing and bursting, all sorts of difficult situations. Since that time, I have been through one other blizzard that essentially paralyzed the state of Kentucky and absolutely shut down Louisville for a week. I've been through torrential rains that resulted in floods and some brethren losing practically all of their belongings, tornadoes, violent thunderstorms that resulted in days without electricity. And as I sat and thought about those times when nature has flexed its mighty muscles and put us into difficult situations, time when there was nothing we could do but ride it out, I came to realize that there are several lessons to be learned and I'd like to talk about a few of those today. For instance, one thing that those kinds of situations teach us concerns the littleness of man. As human beings, we can get to be feeling pretty good about ourselves. The primary belief that drives so much of the world today is humanism, which essentially says that man is the center of all things, sort of the end-all and be-all, the highest intelligence that there is. There is a prevailing idea that anything man wants to do, if we put our minds to it, we can do. But as wonderful as all of our technology is, and as much as we have learned and continue to learn, We still can't stop a thunderstorm, a blizzard, a tornado, a hurricane, an earthquake, or any other of the great manifestations of the power of nature. It reminds me of what God had to say to Job in Job 38. The whole chapter is outstanding, but for our purposes in this episode, I'm just going to read verses 22 through 38. Many people believe Job to have been the first book of the Bible written. And after all these years, most men have still not learned the lessons it contains. Beginning with verse 22 of chapter 38, we read, Has thou entered into the treasures of the snow? 
Or hast thou seen the treasures of the hail, which I have reserved against the time of trouble, against the day of battle and war? By what way is the light parted, which scatters the east wind upon the earth? Who has divided a watercourse for the overflowing of waters, or a way for the lightning of thunder, to cause it to rain on the earth where no man is, on the wilderness wherein there is no man? to satisfy the desolate and waste ground, and to cause the bud of the tender herb to bring forth. Has the rain a father, or has earth begotten the drops of dew? Out of whose womb came the ice, and the hoary frost of heaven, who has gendered it? The waters are hid as with a stone, and the face of the deep is frozen. Canst thou bind the sweet influences of the Pleiades? Or loose the bands of Orion? Canst thou bring forth Maseroth in his season? Or canst thou guide Arcturus with his sons? Knowest thou the ordinances of heaven? Canst thou set the dominion thereof in the earth? Canst thou lift up thy voice to the clouds, that abundance of water may cover thee? Canst thou send lightnings, that they may go and say unto thee, Here we are? Who has put wisdom in the inward parts? Or who has given understanding to the heart? Who can number the clouds in wisdom? Who can stay the bottles of heaven? When the dust grows into darkness and hardness, and the clods cleave fast together. While Jesus was on earth, my friends, he calmed the sea. He walked on water. And he did many other truly wonderful and magnificent things that relate to nature and demonstrated who he is, the Son of God. Who was it that did and can do all those things that God asked Job about? Writing of Jesus, Paul wrote in Colossians chapter 1, verses 16 and 17, For by him were all things created, that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. Maybe it takes something like a blizzard or a mighty thunderstorm to make us stop and realize just who we are and just how much we truly need God, although most people don't seem to make that connection. Another lesson to be learned from the power of nature was driven home to me in a most peculiar fashion several years ago. I was holding a gospel meeting in a small church outside of Louisville in what used to be called country but not so much anymore called Oak Grove. Anyway, the last night of the meeting, as Vicki and I were driving to the church building, a really big thunderstorm came up. When we arrived at the church building, all of the electricity was out, not only at the church building, but throughout the country for several miles. Fortunately, a number of brethren lived relatively close to the building, and they drove home and got some Coleman lanterns. So we had four or five of them set at various places in the building, including right on the pulpit. By the way, after the services were over as we were driving home, I mentioned to Vicki how well that audience had paid attention. I could see that their eyes were riveted on me, and I even mentioned to Vicki that maybe it would be good for the electricity to go out more often. But Vicki said, Greg, they weren't paying attention to you. They were watching the shadow of you that the lantern cast up on the wall behind you. It was real big, and you were making all of these gestures. 
but we had to admit we weren't very well prepared for that kind of a situation. It wasn't any different in the blizzards or the floods or the tornadoes. We are just not prepared for what nature can do. It catches people totally unprepared. Even a snowstorm or ice storm sends people scurrying. Do we all have candles and lamps that do not require electricity? How about alternative ways to heat our homes? In our society today, take away the television or the computer and people will go nuts, totally unprepared to amuse themselves in some other way. What those kinds of situations teach us is the need to be prepared. We need to be prepared for what can happen and most assuredly be prepared for what we know will happen. It reminds me of the prophet Amos, who was, set, was told to the nation of Israel in Amos 4. Beginning with verse 6, Amos sets forth five things that God did for the nation of Israel, using the power of nature in an attempt to get the people to turn back to them. He used famine in verse 6, drought for three months before the harvest time in verse 7, a scorching east wind, dry and hot to wither the crops, along with mildew and locusts in verse 9. He used sudden plagues and epidemics along with wars, creating sufficient dead to cause a stench in verse 10, and apparently even earthquakes in verse 11. Now let's read verses 11 and 12. I have overthrown some of you, as God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah, and you were as a firebrand plucked out of the burning. Yet have you not returned unto me, saith the Lord. Therefore thus will I do unto thee, O Israel, and because I will do this unto thee, prepare to meet thy God, O Israel. How much better would it have been if Israel had only acted properly and made the necessary and right kind of preparation beforehand? Who can forget the powerful lesson of the need to be prepared taught in the parable of the ten virgins in Matthew chapter 25 verses 1 through 13? I guess the answer to that question is that a lot of people, the majority of the people can forget. As a matter of fact, even some right here, right now, listening on the radio or on any other device may fit into this pattern. The parable reads, beginning in verse 1 of Matthew 25. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise, and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you. But go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came. And they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man comes. 
Sometimes having our electricity knocked out by a storm or being struck by a blizzard will do us good if we will let it. It is good to sometimes be forced to stop for a minute and realize the need to be prepared for whatever lies ahead. And the truly insightful person applies that same principle first and foremost to the spiritual. I'm also sure that blizzards, severe thunderstorms, and other events of nature have served to teach some of us not to be anxious about things that we cannot change while we sat around waiting for the electricity to come back on. I'm equally sure that there are some who find themselves in such situations, becoming more anxious and more distressed the longer it was off, as though worrying about it would make those utility workers get to their tasks more quickly. This is a hard lesson to learn, and perhaps nature is just one way that God uses to teach us. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, Which of you by taking thought can add one cupid unto his stature? He also said, Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? Additionally, he said, Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. The Lord's prescription for concern about physical things But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Paul so beautifully taught the same lesson in the fourth chapter of the letter to the Philippians. In verse 6 he wrote, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Just a few verses later, in verses 11 through 6, 13, we find, Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. There are some things in life that we just cannot hurry. There are some things in life that we just cannot change. And perhaps one lesson we can learn from a blizzard or a violent, powerful thunderstorm, if we will let ourselves, is to simply trust in God and let things take their course as they will, being patient. Yet another thing that nature's calamities can tend to teach us is to appreciate the little things. There are so many things in life that we take for granted, Things as seemingly everyday as light, heat, refrigeration, and so on. We can get so used to having these things and so caught up in our lives that we forget to appreciate. And when all of a sudden, through a blizzard or some sort of powerful storm, those things are suddenly taken away from us, then we begin to appreciate having had them. What a wonderful lesson we would have learned from a bad event, a terrible storm, if we would learn to appreciate good health while we have it, appreciate a loving and thoughtful husband or wife, appreciate healthy, well-behaved children, or even at home where there are lights, heat, and so on. And how much better would that lesson be if we remember that ultimately all good things come from God? I'm reminded of what James wrote in James chapter 1, verse 17, where we read, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. 
When I was reading one commentator's remarks about James chapter 1 and verse 17, which could be made a sermon all by itself, he included this little poem which I think is applicable for what I'm trying to get across. The little poem is simply this. Back of the loaf is the snowy flower, and back of the flower is the mill, and the back of the mill is the wheat and shower, and the sun and the father's will. Going all the way back to the blizzard of 77 or 78, I remember that I had some blessings that others did not have. I knew individuals who happened to have a four-wheel drive individual vehicle, and they came and got us at the airport. The pipes in our apartment building did not freeze, so we had plenty of water, and my neighbors in the complex had the necessary tools to bust my car loose from the ice in which it was encased. There was that grocery store to which I could walk, and I had my health to be able to do so, although I must say I felt a little bit like Charles Engels trudging across the wintry plains. There was Vicky at home and a baby on the way. Additionally, as I recall, the weather warmed up soon and things were able to be cleared relatively quickly. I remember a night many years later when another storm struck and took out our electricity and it began a wonderful evening because Vicky and I sat with the kids all evening and told stories. My point being that even in the midst of a bad situation, there are often blessings to be found if we just take the time to look for them, realize that we have them, and make it a point to be thankful for them. Finally, I know that living in a house without electricity and very little heat in the dead of a winter after a blizzard is indeed inconvenient. For that matter, I know living in a little apartment in Redding, Ohio, where in the wintertime you could see your breath was not only inconvenient, but downright uncomfortable. I know that living in a house where every time you have any measurable rain, the basement would flood was inconvenient too. Yet here we all are, having made it through. So much of our world is about convenience, but the lessons to be learned from living without those things is that we can still follow Jesus every day regardless. Is the aftermath of a blizzard or a wailing thunderstorm, a tornado or an earthquake fun? No, not in the least. And I can only imagine the nightmare such is for those men and women who work in very uncomfortable conditions, trying to restore the power to essential services like hospitals and nursing homes, not to mention all the houses too. But the calamities of nature are not total disasters if they can teach us that we must trust in God in all things and do as Peter instructs us in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 and 7. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. With all the peculiar weather we've had over the past couple of years, understand that there are lessons to be learned therefrom. Things to think about. Thanks for listening.